Welcome pain sippers. Here I am back in the saddle. It's been a few weeks since I did a podcast. I've been working at a new job. I recently sold my practice. I started a private practice back in, what was it, like 2006. And I sold it to one of my partners and I took a job uh, at the VA. So I'm working at the VA hospital and I'm also working at this private hospital here in town and I'm doing mostly inpatient work. I I previously did largely outpatient work but it's been a big transition and I'm kind of having to relook at my schedule and and see when to fit things like the podcast in. So here I sit six in the morning in my basement, all alone, in the dark. <laughs> I'm brewing a cup of coffee over over here, off to the side. It's a knockoff Keurig. I had a Keurig for a while, but it broke. And I was like, this is a joke. I'm getting a fake Keurig. And it's been great. Works like a charm. Makes great coffee. It, and it's it makes a buzzing sound. It's going to kick in with a buzz. You'll probably be able to hear it in the background. oh anyway there it goes tinkling tinkling the fresh hot lusciousness into my mug over there can you hear that friends i have a fresh cup of coffee in my hands so we can start for real now oh i'm also i use i'm using my favorite microphone this morning i have these other microphones that are on headsets that are much easier for guests to use because the microphone's attached to the headphones and it holds it out at the exact right distance from their mouth so you don't have to think about it. But I like my Shure SM7B. It makes me sound like butter. Anyway, I've been doing this hospital gig. And uh, so one of the things I do, aside from taking care of people that are on an inpatient psychiatric unit is I go around the hospital and I see patients that are admitted to other wards when the doctor has a psychiatric question. So they asked me to see this elderly lady from the East Coast. (laughs) They said she was saying that she wanted to die. And uh, she's in her 90s or something. And I'm thinking to myself before I even get up there, well, of course, she wants to die. <laughs> Did you need a psychiatrist to tell you this was normal? No, I'm just kidding. It's not normal to want to die necessarily. It's normal to have thoughts of contemplating your own death and your own mortality and to start thinking about death, especially when you're in that age range. But So it's a valid question. Does she want to kill herself or is she having sort of normal geriatric thoughts of her own mortality. So I get up there and I'm talking to her and she's from the East Coast, right? And she's got this thick accent, like, uh, the, you know, the, the standard New York kind of thing. And uh, I said, they, they told me that you wanted to die. And I just wanted to see if you wanted to talk about that. And she said, it's the food. 
My parents are from Italy and I can't get a decent plate of pasta around here. It makes me want to kill myself. Yes, I want to die. <laughs> this is what she says to me. Like 90-something years old, she's saying this to me. I don't know. So I didn't give her any medication. I didn't lock her up in the psych ward. I just uh, wrote in the chart. I'm like, get her a decent plate of pasta. <laughs> It made me think, um, so, you know, one of the things with this job is that uh, I'm having a good time with it. I get to go around and talk to all these people. And, you know, it's different when you talk to people who don't necessarily want to talk to you. Um, in my outpatient practice, the people would show up because they had an appointment and they wanted to be there and they had chosen to get help from me. And... In the inpatient world, often these are people who don't have any interest really in talking to me. There's a new challenge there for me in establishing rapport with somebody who doesn't really want the help, which I enjoy. I enjoy that. It's sort of a chess match and trying to figure out how to how to connect with them on whatever level they're on and and see what I can do um, to to make a make a connection. So anyway, I wanted to talk today about intuition and one of the major obstacles or hurdles that we face when it comes to going with our gut or using this gift of intuition that we have. And I didn't understand, I, I still don't know how fully I understand intuition or how fully anyone really understands intuition, except that it seems to be a thing. And it may be the only thing that drives our behavior at the end of the day really uh, underpins everything. And we've got geese that fly in Vs, and they go north and they go south, and they know when. And we've got whales that go on thousands of mile journeys to mate. Uh, we got salmon that do the same thing homing pigeons or whatever these things that fly around and know locations to a degree that they shouldn't possibly know given the size of their bird brains and any number of animal behaviors that display some strange intuitive properties and qualities and humans i believe have all kinds of intuition and what is it i mean it's it's thoughts, it's nudges, it's feelings, it's urges. It's subtle for many of us. It's something that you have to learn to tune into. It is. It's the gut feeling. It's the I know it in my innards. I feel it in my teeth or wherever. I mean, it's this thing you know you just have to do or you should do or maybe. And you can talk yourself out of it really easily too. And I think that's one of the things that I, I want to talk about is, is that how we often handle our intuition, especially when it's asking us to do something that maybe is surprising or we're not sure we want to do it, is that we talk ourselves out of it. And why, why do we do that? And how do we stop doing that? So we have thoughts and nobody really knows where they come from. In my business, if you walk up to a neuroscientist and say, hey, where do my thoughts come from? He's going to say something like, well, you know, deep in the core and the recesses of your mind, there's these brain chemicals and they swish and swoosh around and, and it, uh, you generate thoughts and it's survival-based and, and they're, they're meant to protect you and 
and they're, 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 we, we don't know, sir. We don't have any idea where your thoughts come from. Uh, consciousness, you know, like Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. And, you know, why don't you go read some Buddhism and stop asking me questions I don't know the answer to. So that's the conversation that I would have with a colleague about that. I mean, we really don't know. But you walk around all day and thoughts come into your mind Gut senses come into your mind, and it's as if we're not generating those, or we don't have a conscious awareness of, of generating those, and nobody can really tell us exactly why or where they come from. Some might say they have a spiritual root. Some might say that you're being communicated with. I don't know, and I don't rule anything out at this point in my career. Uh, I've seen too much. It's weird. It's a weird place we live. Let's take the sale of my business as a way to kind of illustrate this point. So I started this business a long time ago, and I was really proud of it. And it was uh, it supported me well, and it was, it was um, something that I enjoyed doing. But I got to a point with it, and I can't tell you exactly when or why, but I started feeling like it needed to go. Just, I just feel like it needed to go, not because I was really over overly angry about it or, or had any major issues with it or was upset by any one thing. It was just a deep sense that maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. I could tell you all the logical reasons why I decided to sell my business, but the truth is those are my guesses. <laughs> when I look back and observe my own behavior, I mean, those are just theories that I concocted to some degree after the fact to explain a deep inner knowing that I already had. So as I had this nudge to consider getting rid of it, I would have all kinds of pushback in my own mind. Like, why would you want to do this? Why would you want to sell a successful business? Why, why on earth do you want to go through the heartache and the pain of ending the relationship with all of your patients? Why do you want to find a buyer and negotiate a price and deal with bankers and lawyers? What if the deal falls through? What if you don't get a fair price? What if your patients sue you for abandonment? What if you miss it? What if it's a mistake? You can't just go start another one. Are you really sure you want to do this? And all those are fears, right, to some degree. I mean, all those represent, maybe they're legitimate concerns, but they're fears, and they have nothing really to do with the other side of the coin, which is, this isn't right for you anymore. It's time to let go. There are other things for you to do. You've done your work here. This is not for you. And, the, and those are the kinds of thoughts that intuition generates. They're not always as specific, and, and there's not always a planned point A to point B revelation that goes along with intuition. It's sort of like standing at the edge and hearing jump and not knowing if there's a safety net down there. And I think that's true about intuition is oftentimes intuition is asking us to take leaps of faith and to do something that comes with a potential price tag. Uh, an emotional price tag, for example. Small examples of this might be 
in the course of your day, you might, you might feel nudged to have a conversation with somebody. You might feel nudged to send somebody a card or a gift or give them a call. You might feel nudged to make chicken tonight instead of beef. You might feel nudged to eat broccoli. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You might feel nudged to take a certain supplement for your health. Uh, you might feel nudged to take a certain turn in your car. I've often wondered that. You know, when you when you make a wrong turn or or you go left and you should have gone right, did you did you just to did you just avoid a, an accident? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, have you ever had that thought? Like, I just accidentally turned left and I should have gone right, and I wonder if it just if I just didn't kill a child on a bicycle or something like that. You know, I don't know, but. I can tell you this, I feel like I'm getting help when I look back and I see how events unfold because we only have a, a small amount of vision. It, it really is like driving in a car it, at night and, and maybe you're going coast to coast or on some long trip, but all you can really see is what your headlights reveal and you have to have enough faith uh, to keep your foot on the gas, even though you can't see what's beyond your own headlights that there's road there, that there's not a big gaping chasm that you're going to get somewhere if you just stick with it. If you really want to get your life on track and you want to discover what this universe has for you, then you need to learn how to tune into intuition. Now let's take science, for example. So science, well, how do we decide what to even study? I mean, this is what I mean by intuition being perhaps the only thing that that drives humanity forward in a meaningful way is that even our great scientific discoveries, our great advances in technology were spurred on initially by somebody's idea and then their risk to move forward with exploring it, either in the form of a scientific study or building a prototype or something like this. The way that clinical trials come about traditionally is that people in clinical practice who do their job day in, day out, begin to see subtle patterns and trends, and it occurs to them that there might be some kind of a relationship between factor A and factor B, and they do a study on it, and they they try to establish whether or not there's a relationship. Like if we give drug X, it seems like condition Y gets better, for instance. I would argue that much of what drives discovery is exploration of intuition. And I'm not saying there's not natural factors involved. I think our intuition develops and gets better as we do something over and over again. Before the times of instruments, sea captains could intuit the weather with a high degree of accuracy. So in my example, I sold this business, not knowing exactly what would happen or if it would be a good idea or how I would feel afterwards. And I can tell you this so far, and it hasn't been very long. It's only been a month and a half or so. But I can tell you I feel a renewed sense of purpose. I feel reconnected with my profession in a new way. 
I feel a sense of relief. I have a deep conviction that there's things on the horizon for me that I'm not totally aware of that I've now made space for that I don't think would have had a chance to come and and sort of crop up into my life had I stayed with my business. And I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. There's a leap of faith here involved. And I can't tell you what, if anything, is going to happen now that I've sold the business. But I, I know deeply and intuitively that it was the right thing to do for me. And it involved overcoming fear. And that's, that's the real message here, is that when we get nudges and feelings, subtle, when we get nudges, when we have thoughts, when things seem to crop up somewhat out of the blue, it's very important that we listen. It's important that we take risks, little ones, just even little ones throughout the course of the day. In fact, I encourage you to think about every day doing something a little bit unexpected, doing something out of your routine, letting your intuition guide you away from your set plan. See what happens. See what what kind of relationships appear in your life. See what opportunities for work come about. See what opportunities for health and play come about. Is it possible, is it possible that there is forces that we don't understand at work that guide us, that give us information, whether it's biological and scientifically explainable or whether it's much more mystical? Who cares? What what if we trusted what appears to be ancient and deeply buried wisdom within us, like these passenger pigeons or these geese, what might happen? Where might we find ourselves? I think especially if you feel stuck, if you're in a, in a routine where it's boring, it's dull, it's stagnant, it's not healthy for you, you're not satisfied, your life doesn't feel rich, well, I don't want to call that person. They'll think I'm stupid. And it, we didn't leave it on the best terms last time. And I'm not sure they even like me. And what if I invite them to do something and they don't want to go? Then I'll feel like an idiot. And I don't know about taking a different job. I mean, this job isn't the greatest, but it's paying the bills. And I don't want to risk not having enough money. And I know I have great ideas and they're not being used or heard and I've got creative energies that aren't being explored in this work, but I I just, I'm, I want to play it safe here. I mean, that's what I mean. Like we have to really be willing to take a look at the fears that we have and how they might be interfering with really important messages that we're hearing from deep within ourselves. This podcast for me, This is an intuitive step. I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about podcasting. I don't have an an exquisite marketing plan. It just feels right. So, you know, I sit down here and I do this because something deep within me wants to speak. It wants to come out into this microphone. I don't really know how helpful it is. I don't know who listens. I can see some statistics on 
SoundCloud where I post these things, and that's motivating to some degree. But the reason I come down here and speak into this microphone fundamentally is because it just feels like I have to. It just feels like I need to, almost like I got to go to the bathroom or something. I mean, it's like that. I'll tell Shelly, I'm like, I feel one brewing. I feel something brewing in me, and I need to go speak it. And so, yes, I want to be helpful, but I also do it for me because it, it's a discharge that I need to that needs to happen. And I know you pain sippers are with me on this. I know you've got your own version. I know you've got things inside of you that are dying to come out. I know you've got creative energies that you're not using sometimes. I know you have ways that you feel nudged to love somebody in your life, to make a friend, to start an exercise program, to eat something healthy, to take a trip, to read a certain book. That's another one, books. You, know, you walk past this book on the bookshelf or in the library and it just sort of calls your name. Pick that thing up. Read it. <laughs> If your body says you're in the mood for kumquats and tater tots, then by golly, make kumquats and tater tots for dinner. There's something in there your body needs probably. I mean, I really think this is there's truth here. And it's okay to screw up. It's okay to have an idea and do it and have it fall on its face. Who cares? What difference does it make if you walk up to somebody and you strike up a conversation and they reject you, really. Or you call a friend, and you ask them to hang out, and they say no. What difference does it make? What difference does it make if you start to write a blog, and you lose interest after three entries? What difference does it make if you start an exercise program, and you fall off the wagon? This stuff takes practice, and it gets honed after many, many years. But you don't want to find yourself old sitting around going, coulda, woulda, shoulda. But I was too chicken. <laughs> I would encourage you to avoid that outcome. You really will be an old person sitting there wanting to die. <laughs> if you look back with all this regret. Because, man, this life is short. I just I can't even believe how fast the days go. I get up every morning, it's like Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, you know, I'm like, this again, this just, this keeps on going. Have you ever seen that movie, Groundhog Day? That's a really great example of what we're talking about. Because what does finally break him out of the cycle? It's when he starts following the nudges. He stops the self-centeredness and the negativity, and the criticism, and he starts helping people out. He takes the piano lessons that he's always wanted to take. He saves the, the guy having a heart attack. He catches the kid falling out of the tree. He was at the right place at the right time. And it took the world just continuing to whack him over the head, in, in this case, in the form of the exact same day over and over again, for him to finally get the message that he needed to act in a way that was outside of his box. And when he did that, finally in the end, he found freedom and he found love and he found acceptance in this community. And I think in the end, he even lived in that town. 
at the beginning of the movie, he hated it, but he, he made his home there. And, and that's what I mean. I mean, you, this, this life can feel like that, where you just get up and it's a grind and it's the same thing over and over again. Well, one of the ways that you can fight off that stagnation is to start following your own intuition. Get unafraid. Do something different. Explore. Explore your own mind and see what that leads you to. Hey, well, it's good to be back talking to you. And and a sincere thank you. If you take time to listen to these, uh, I really appreciate it. It's motivating to me. And if you want to contribute to my Patreon page, go on there and search for The Heartache Connoisseur. You will find me at patreon.com. Feel free to to join up uh, and support the podcast. I'd really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.